Hello, just a quick bit before this week's episode to let you know that we have a Patreon you can subscribe to if you like what we're doing here and you want more of it. You probably already knew that. We don't stop going on about it. What you didn't know is that you can currently get a little free trial so you know exactly what you'd get as part of your subscription. You can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes to get your first seven days free. All you need to do is pick which tier you'd like a free trial of. The Biggest Mates tier is the one that has all the extras in it. And then for seven days, you are free to listen to any episode we've released in the last six months. You can cancel any time or just leave the subscription rolling if you like what you find. It's charged monthly. And during any month, as part of that Biggest Mates tier, you'll get ad-free episodes of this show every Monday. You'll get a brand new episode of our new Manic Street Preacher show every month. Two episodes every month of The Ultimate Playlist, our themed playlist show, where we talk about all kinds of different music, different artists, different genres, different eras, and one or two bonus episodes every month, depending on the length of the month. That's two episodes every week. There's also other tiers to trial. One that is just the Manic Show and ad-free What Is Music episodes, and another that is just ad-free What Is Music episodes. But hey, if the first seven days are free, why not try a bit of everything? Plus, all tiers include access to the exclusive subscriber-only Discord where we discuss the shows, the bands we've covered, various music topics, and loads of other stuff, including some games that the friendly community have devised themselves. So head on over to our Patreon page now to claim your free seven-day trial. Go to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in our show notes. See you there. do control or command if you're a mac user yes are you capable of just doing it once i've never done that before you don't do control s no you never control s the closest i've got to that is f5 being quick save in most pc games do you not control c control v f9 oh control c control v i do yeah oh yeah that yeah yeah. copy paste but you don't but you don't control s to save things i i very rarely manually save anything i was gonna say if i'm using google docs which is what i use that um, sounds like your vibe or or in sharepoint or whatever then it just automatically saves for you is this going yeah i'm more thinking about i'm more thinking like like the recording software we're all using right now you have to save yeah we're all aware we have to save because that time steve didn't save Mm. we all remember that time is it, is so, this, well, but that but that was that was an online thing, right? Yeah. That was yeah, uh, that's yeah, true. That was, you can't that, trust the autosave. My point was going to be, I cannot just do control. You have to go control s s s s s s s. Just to be sure. Did you think you'd really have your finger on the pulse of the nation with that question? No, no, I wanted. I assumed we're all the same, actually. In the and the well, I don't. I'm going to now. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't trust it enough, but I don't use it at all. I suppose you get a split second of saving, and then you know, okay, maybe it is. I mean, I don't think it even does it in Google Docs. I, mean, I don't think there even is a manual save in Google Docs. No. There's not. I've got it open in front of me. It doesn't do it. All right. Shall, That's I, just, interesting. shall I just go into the... Yeah. All right. yeah okay. What about print? Do you like press control P, 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 and print like 30 copies? <laughs> When's the last time you printed <laughs> something? control P either. I print all the loads time. of stuff at work. Really? Loads of stuff. All the time. Look, I mean, I should really... Should I? I draw. Should I, go into I do drawings okay. as part of my job. No, they you have to don't get printed. Draw. I drew a two and a half meter long schematic the other day. 
really? got printed on a two and a half meter long bit of paper. It was really satisfying. Did you lie down on the table, open up your shirt, and lay it over your injured leg? What? Hello, and welcome to What Is Music, <laughs> a music podcast about music. What? We're a podcast that focuses on discographies in their entirety, doing deep dives on one artist at a time. You join us in season four, which is called Is It Rad in Your Head? A critical analysis of the history, cultural impact, and music of Radiohead. We're going through their entire career, album by album, track by track, asking questions like, does context matter when you're listening to music? Does knowing the history of an artist affect your appreciation of their output? And this is, we're of course, asking, is it rad in your head? And to be clear, we're asking, is it rad in your head in regards to the band Radiohead? Not, is it rad in your head in regards to this, the fourth season of our podcast, which is called, is it rad in your head? And which is now in your head. I'm Adam Scott Glasspool. I'm a music enjoyer. I love the artistry, the emotion, and also the context that surrounds music. With me, as always, is someone who has said they don't care about art or talking about art, does not often relate personally to music, but once told me in private he'd heard music once by accident. It's Lucas Way. I heard it. It was in my car, and it went, we could be lifted. Oh, beautiful. (laughs) In the middle of that, we have someone who can appreciate context, art, and subject matter, and at the moment is being pushed to the brink on his insistence of that. It's Steve Murphy. Um, I might be wrong, pun. I'm just trying to get it out there. Mm. Just Okay, oh. should we do loads of them? <sighs> or, okay, I feel better uh, you know already. No, 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 do you know what? All bets are off, yeah. okay? No rules. Yeah. Anyone can do as many I might be wrong puns as they like, yeah. but they've got to be good. I, if, if I don't find it funny, I'm not going to laugh. So there's a... You know, or they'll get cut. No, I'm not going to cut them. Are you Bear in mind, whenever you make an I might be wrong pun, I'm not going to cut and it. And what he's going to do, he's going okay. to copy and paste it 10 times in a row and really leave a good... Control C, 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 I reckon they're all going to be shit. But, you know... Let's see. We're going through the entire discography of live performers Radiohead. And we're now in the year 2001, in the period immediately following their fifth album, Amnesiac. We're going to explore what they were doing around this time, including the release of I Might Be Wrong, colon, live recordings. Uh, Hoping to get closer to an answer for the question, what is music? Guys, what is music to you? waveforms it's a good answer wave 105 yes yes do you listen to a lot of radio (laughs) i feel like we did this recently or later depending on when the episodes are released i'm not sure a bit odd these days (laughs) you'll notice that i've started ending episodes with and our next episode is out next Monday yeah. because I've got no <laughs> idea what it is. Um, anyway, we know what this is. We're in the year 2001 and where we left them, uh, Space Odyssey, band Radiohead, I mean, Amnesiac had come out June 4th, 2001. And then they set out on tour, starting in America, doing seven dates across 12 days in June in amphitheatres and arenas, kind of anywhere from 5,000 to 20,000 people a night. Uh, the set lists, they're kind of uh, an extension of the Kid A tour. You get five or six songs from Kid A, five or six from Amnesiac, five or six from OK Computer, anywhere from between one and four from the Bends and a few B-sides. Nothing from Pablo Honey at all. Um, worth mentioning, this is the first proper US tour of the Kid A Amnesiac era and the first since June 1998 which makes it like almost exactly three years since they toured in North America. Um, Something somewhat novel for this time. Large blocks of tickets were held back by Radiohead to sell exclusively on their website, directly to fans, rather than going through the usual phone lines. Um, 
it meant also they didn't have to deal with like the large conglomerates like Ticketmaster, obviously in this era. Very anti-business, anti-conglomerate, anti-mostly everything, actually. And Ticketmaster were definitely on their list. Yeah. So that's kind of cool, like a direct-to-fan ticket sale thing. And that's, they still do that today on their Waste site, uh, W-A-S-T-E. Uh, there's a whole section of their website which is for tickets and merch and used to be their newsletter and stuff. It's called Waste. stands for We Are Sensibly Talking Endlessly. Mm. Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, they kind of their gigs at this point they've settled into the structure of a main set and two encores um that more or less remains today and something else that remains to today is that the main set is kind of locked but the encores are somewhat decided just before they do them uh they have them written down on the set list but when they walk off after the main set they'll talk about what the vibe of the gig is what the audience is responding to that they've already played and how they feel and then they'll swap stuff around take songs out add other songs it's very like in the moment sort of stuff which i think is interesting it is i I can't imagine them having a little conversation what should we what should we do for them um oh we could do because this is what they sound like oh actually we could pretty much oh bloody hell Oh, oh, fucking hell, we could probably do a high and dry. (laughs) Fucking hell, Tommy. Um, Which is what they call him. Yeah, they call him Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's nice. I like it. There's, uh, it's, it's. It's interesting. It's it's cool at gigs now where you don't know what they're going to play because they're Radiohead. And then you get to a certain point in the gig where you realise they don't know what they're going to play either. <laughs> There's like a mutual misunderstanding amongst the entire uh, entire venue. Um, at the Gorge Amphitheatre in George, Washington on this tour, they do play a new song. I think it's the only one. It's any new song they play all tour and they just play it once. Uh, Lucas, you're very familiar with this song. Uh, Steve, you are somewhat familiar with this song, but maybe not the song itself. It's a song called Reckoner. Um, Lucas, take us through your experiences of the song Reckoner. Uh, I want to die to it. Okay, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Are you, okay, are you on this podcast, just so everyone knows. Yeah. Are you releasing an album <laughs> where there's like 10 tracks of songs? Uh, you, Lucas, Lucas Way's songs to die to. Oh, let's do a playlist. To be fair, let's do a playlist, playlist idea. Yeah. Really yeah. good playlist idea. Just songs that I would happily drift off to my doom oh, yeah. to. Mate, we've got yeah, the void. Excellent. We've got reckoner. Yeah. Uh, the rest, you know, there were a few be some more. There were a few uh, Everything I wanted some... by Billie Eilish. I think that was one of them. Don't think that was one of them, mate. I had oh, a dream. What, what, what? I got everything I wanted. That one. That was not a song I wanted to die to. No, no. Stop. You don't just sing it, and that means that makes it so. Yeah. There'll be plenty. There'll be others. Going There'll up be to others. The I can't think of. The sky. <laughs> that was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Living in a box. As he's slowly in the last thing you hear before you die. Just hear his little Oh, that would be Shaking his little bottom until he dies. Reckoner though, Lucas. It's a lovely song, isn't it? So a great song. It's a really good song off a really good album. Ten out of ten episode. Lovely, done. Steve. The episode we're going to do in a number of months' time. Done. Steve, do you know the song, or do you just know that I? It's it's a title I hunted down on a video game because it was called that. <laughs> that is a big. It's a big part of it. It's on in rainbows, right? It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I, it's got loads of rides, it, Steve. Has it? So Real, much it's ride, ride city. So much ride. Um, I don't remember the song, but I would remember okay. it if it was played. I imagine. I reckon I would recognize. Okay. It. it goes ooh. 
So it sounds oh. like Radiohead. That is pretty spot on. Yeah, it does. It does sound like Radiohead. It's another one that we could title That Sounds Like Radiohead. Do you want to hear a clip of the early version of Reckoner? Oh, yes. Stirring Reckoner. Now, what a bag of, sh- what a bag yeah, of well, shit. That's not. I don't recognize and recognize. Recognize. I don't recognize. I don't recognize. 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 Rec- yep. Yeah, it's good. The, yeah. Uh, that at all. Um, and what I did think of it was bad. <laughs> that sounds hmm. like a, a few 17 year olds have gone down to play at the Talking Heads in Southampton. It was one of their first shows and they've written a rock song. Lucas, you're very familiar with Reckoner and didn't recognise that at all also, I'm guessing. Not in the slightest. It sounded more like, um, I can't remember the name of the band, Steve. It goes... Actually, what you did there was a bit more interesting than the actual song. It was. It's like a classic song from like Kerrang! in 2002. No, oh, I'm not that, doing a bit. That's lit. A bit. That's lit. My young West enemy. He's doing a lit bit. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So a nothingy shit band <laughs> yeah, from the yeah, early yeah. Yeah. early nineties. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. An insignificant yeah, 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 yeah. worm of a band. Lit bit. Um, yeah, it sounded like that. Yeah, I mean that. Which is shit. <laughs> that is the first. That is an early version of the song Reckoner. Um, and when they heard it, people saw that as an indication that they were perhaps returning to more of a a rock sort of sound. Um, there is. Another leg of the US tour in August that's coming up, but they're drastically cutting down on the number of gigs and they're cutting down on the multiple legs of the same territories. So around the release of Kid A, they did that tent tour in Europe and the UK. Do you remember that? In the big tent. In the big tent. The freak show thing with all their own stuff. They don't do another UK leg for Amnesiac. There isn't really a UK tour for Amnesiac at all. Um, Instead, they do one mainland UK show in South Park, Oxford. Um, It was the first time they'd properly played in Oxford since 1995, before the Benz had even come out. So this was somewhat of a homecoming show, and it was also a great big fucking deal. 
um, not only are they returning to their hometown, having had loads of success, you know, they're kind of bringing that back. It was the only mainland UK show of the year. And people assumed that it would be their last chance to see Radiohead for a bit of a while, which actually turned out to be correct. Um, it was kind of like their own festival with them putting on their favourite artists before them. So, And it all started at like one in the afternoon, which isn't usual for those kind of gigs either. They picked Rock of Travolta, Hester Thrale, Humphrey Littleton, who of course did the jazz parts on Life in a Glass House, oh, yeah. um, Sigaros, Supergrass and Beck before then doing a set themselves that lasted over two hours. Um and it was it was a bit of a career spanning set in the pouring rain, as you would want for a radiohead gig. Um and just before the last song, Tom says, This is to send you home with bluebirds flying in your hair, and goes into motion picture soundtrack, uh, the last song of the night, and then the organ packs up and, and dies, and he like gives it a bit of a smack, but nothing happens. And then he shouts bugger into the mic. <laughs> and then he says, Okay, I've got a better idea. And then the band sort of convene and go like well, they sort of talk amongst themselves. Tom goes back to the microphone and says, this is a slightly older song. And then you can hear him softly say to himself, oh, shit. And then they play Creep for the first time in three years. Oh. Uh, and the crowd goes absolutely insane. <laughs> like, it's, it's absolutely insane. There is 40,000 people in that crowd, and they are singing every single word. And afterwards, you can, like, hear the genuine emotion in Tom's voice when he says thank you and good night. And that was their only mainland UK gig uh, of, uh, of the year. And it would, in fact, turn out to be that way for another couple of years. Um, all the profits from that huge show went to local charities and good causes, including the local music scene, because they all still lived there. They all still lived in Oxford. And, uh, like, Phil talks about how it was weird. Like, that gig that was 40,000 people and all these famous artists in this huge stage was about 200 metres from his front door. He, like, walked out of his house and walked onto the stage. Um, yeah, and then, like, afterwards he gets to go yeah, home. Lovely. Yeah, he just gets yeah. to go home. It's nice. <laughs> Although I imagine there was a bit of a party after that one. Nah, go home. Go to bed. <laughs> uh, some of the merchandise available exclusively at that show featured the band members of the uh, Radiohead mm, the, yep. <laughs> drawn, drawn in the style of South Park characters and the characters from South Park inserted into Radiohead artwork. And those were donated to them for free by Matt Parker and Trey Stone, the creators of South Park, because Radiohead had actually recorded voices for South Park. No, Adam. Yeah? No, Adam. It's Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is there a bit coming? No, I just, I've written them down the wrong way because I obviously haven't, I just, this is just stuff I know rather than stuff I'm reading. Um, well, you don't know it, clearly. Obviously not, obviously not. I do have Matt Stone written down later, so I'm not sure what happened there. The episode, Scott Teneman Must Die, was broadcast like a few days yes. after the Radiohead show in like a weird coincidence. And classically, the celebrities on South Park, right, they're, they're impersonated. Uh, yeah. they're, they're not actually the voices so it was slightly novel that they had the actual Radiohead playing the actual Radiohead it's, oh, you guys must have seen this episode it's quite a famous episode Wait, are you saying that Barbara Streisand when she turned into Mecca Streisand that that's wasn't, not her that's not yeah. her oh, okay. no uh, that's yeah, not her although they do have George Clooney play a dog at one point great of course yeah and Tom Cruise isn't Tom Cruise. Also, famously, Tom Cruise is himself. Yes, and, and Kanye as well. They, they both turned up for However, it. However, they both turned up I for remember it. that episode well. It's a shocker. <laughs> it's one, one I remember watching going, oh, no. Cartman gets revenge on his bully by making him eat a chilli that Cartman has cooked his parents into while his favourite band Radiohead watch. It's, <laughs> 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 it's been held up as like, 
one of the best episodes of South Park ever and marked like a weird turning point in the show where they then started to do darker stuff after that. None of that is to do with Radiohead, obviously. I'm not saying that, oh, because Radiohead were in it, it's the best episode of South Park ever. It's just always voted that way. It's just a fun little crossover. Do you want to hear some of Radiohead in South Park? Not the gig, the show. Yeah, please. Tom, will you stop reading fan mail? We have work to do. Just a second, fellas. Listen to this. Dear Radiohead, my name is Eric Cartman. I'm a young, supple eight-year-old boy from South Park, Colorado. I'm writing to you because of a kid I know named Scott Teneman. Scott is 15, and I'm afraid he has cancer in his ass. Radiohead is his favourite band, and it would make his short life if you could find it in your heart to visit him before he dies alone, scared. Won't you please consider it? I don't think he'll make it past next Tuesday around five. Wow, we have to go. <laughs> to Colorado, but we've got an album to mix. Didn't you hear the letter? This poor kid has cancer in his ass. There you go. That's, uh, <laughs> well, they can't act. That's, that, uh, that's, also when, that's also when South Park's humour was largely just like, <laughs> like, it's yeah. in his ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's none of the uh, sort of like satire stuff going on uh, at, yeah. th- at that point. Um, th- it's when the, the, the joke was, oh my God, they're being rude and they're kids. Yeah, exactly. Th- there's another clip of them later on in the episode that uh, I wouldn't normally play. It's only about 20 seconds long. But it's when they see Scott Ten- Tenerman, who's having a bad time because he's just realised he's eaten his parents mm. who Cartman cooked into a chilli. Salty tears. Um, but the, the, the delivery, the way Phil Selway calls him a crybaby is excellent. He's the last one to say it. Here we go. Uh, excuse me. Who are you? We're that band, Radiohead. <laughs> Jeez, what a little crybaby. You gonna cry all day, crybaby? You know, everyone has problems. It doesn't mean you have to be a little crybaby about it. Come on, guys, let's go. This kid is totally not cool. Yeah, that's the most uncool kid I've ever met. Little crybaby. <laughs> so much Benny really hates that kid. Um, one of the funniest things about those clips is that they're clearly not great at it. Yeah, like they're not good. No, they're what, terrible. Yeah, yeah it's oh my really god, stilted. we have an album to mix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Matt Stone, whose whose vo- uh, name I've gotten correct that time, mm. uh, remembers recording it um, with them. Uh, saying it was funny that he, he he had in front of him what he considered to be one of the most emotive and emotional singers in the world. And he had to keep telling him to like, can you emote more? Because your performance is like way too flat. <laughs> so he had to keep trying trying to tell Tom York to be more emotional in his performance. Um, he also said that they were very funny and very cool. Uh, yeah, Tom was on uh, Space Ghost a few times, that Adult Swim show. But other than that, I think that's the only stuff they've done. Like, they've never done The Simpsons, for instance. They're Family Guy regulars, mate. Are they always on Family mm, Guy? Yeah. Are they? Yeah, they're always on Family Guy. Yeah, they'll cut away to them. And they'll be Remember like... that time. And they'll, they'll just cut to a... And they'll cut to a 10-minute long Radiohead gig. Oh, excellent. And that's the joke. And that's the joke. Right, okay. The joke is you've got to watch 10 minutes of a Radiohead gig. Yeah, in the middle of yeah. an episode of Family Guy. That's the joke. It feels like a deliberate choice to go on South Park rather than The Simpsons, I suppose. Something a bit... Edgier. Edgier. It was edgier. It was edgier, at least then. Johnny loves Curb Enthusiasm. Maybe they'll go on that one day. Uh, that would be a man, incredible. A man of taste. That would be so oh shit. God. It would be so I still haven't shit. seen... I still haven't seen the most recent season. I haven't Curb. seen the most recent season. Um, but they haven't done loads of stuff like that. Uh, but it is around this time that they start earnestly reaching out 
to the, the powers that be to put themselves forward as our Eurovision contest entry uh, around this time. They wanted to enter everything in its right place. Uh, oh, as, amazing. Yeah, as, as the Eurovision entry. It just never panned out. Uh, that would have been very interesting if we had had Radiohead as our, uh, as our submission for one year. Ah, what can you do? Um, in August, they go back to North America to play 12 dates in arenas and the like. Uh, two of which were supposed to be in a national park, but were cancelled due to extreme weather, which I can only imagine is like weather that's like skateboarding and stuff. Uh, Sideways cap. Whoa. It also included the Hollywood Bowl. Um, And September... The bowling alley in Eastleigh. Yeah. 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 Little gig, little radio gig. (laughs) Uh, September saw them play four arenas in Europe, including Northern Ireland, and one show in Germany on September the 11th, 2001. Uh, the day the planes hit the World Trade Center. That was very insensitive for them to play that It night. was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. They should have really scheduled around it. Yeah. Um, they said it was a weird atmosphere that kind of eventually then came together in this weird kind of communal experience of like mourning and loss. I can't think of a better place to have a communal experience of mourning and loss than a Radiohead gig, mm. I suppose. Yeah. That would kind of definitely be the right vibe. It was in Berlin as well. Wouldn't it have... It would only have happened a few hours before... Right. right. So I remember seeing I remember seeing it on the news when we came home from school, school yeah. and yeah. we we got out at half two, didn't we, Steve? At yeah. Brookfield. Two tw- You're what? Two twenty five. You what? Yeah. Exactly. Jesus. So I. So I. Guess what my bloody taxes are paying for your bloody education. Lose <laughs> two o'clock in the afternoon. I, I I got home after the first plane had hit and was watching on the news and everyone still thought it was an accident and then we watched the second plane hit the uh, hit I, the tower. I rented um, the Truman Show mm. from my school library on VHS, and I went home and stuck it on. And I got halfway through the Truman Show, and then I like went into my mum and dad's room or whatever, and just like, oh, hello, just say hello and see what they're doing. And like, have you seen the news? And I was like watching the news, but then I just watched that for the rest of the evening, and then I didn't watch the rest of the Truman Show for about ten years. Wow! So a couple of tragedies yeah. that day. I got home and saw the saw the news, and I was like, no, I want to watch. I want to watch. TV, why is everything... And then all the channels yeah. were with that. And so I phoned my mum at her work and was like, what's going on? I'm trying to watch my bloody programmes. What's all this new? What is listening in the news? She's like, yes, yeah, Steve, Steve, that's actually quite serious. And I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I, yeah. I, I remember I remember feeling that as well. Yeah. Like, oh, I just wanted to be doing like anything else. Same thing happened when Princess Diana died, actually, in, uh, in 1997. I was just like, well... Uh, we were supposed to be going to the cinema. Why are we now just sitting down and watching was, the news? It was my birthday. Anyway. Uh, well, yeah, I was definitely younger there. And I just, I just remember wanting to just to watch telly and it just ruined my evening. I wanted to watch it the It was Simpsons. my birthday. Yeah. I got up in the morning with my friend to watch football because he liked football and I wanted him to be my friend. We watched it really early and then it came <laughs> oh, down the bottom of the screen saying, breaking news, blah, blah, blah. And again, I went up to my mum and I was like, this has just happened and it's sort of interrupted the football. It's a thing at the bottom. She was like, and she, she started crying and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> she started crying? Yeah, yeah. Bless, bless your mum. Bless her. <laughs> uh, anyway, after that, uh, they then headed over to Japan for five arena dates, which wrapped up at the beginning of October 2001, one year after the release of Kid A, four months after the release of Amnesiac. The following month, which, checking my calendar, is usually November, they release I Might Be Wrong. Live recordings on November the 12th. It's eight tracks and 40 minutes. It's engineered and mixed by a mixture of Jim Warren, Nigel Godrich and Will Shapland. The artwork is done by Stanley Donwood. And uh, 
Chock, I think is how it's said. T-C-H-O-C-K. Could that be? Who's that? Is that Who's, um? Who's that? Tchaikovsky. No, that's and a he's composer. like slaughtering it, like like someone called like someone called like you know Peter goes by Pete or like much you know, shorter Matthew goes by Matt. Yeah. Is Tchaikovsky Chock. going by your Chock. Chock? Maybe I can. I think he was dead by this point, wasn't he? Tchaikovsky in two thousand one. Well, I mean, ne- body was never found, was it? So I don't know. Mm. Let me look it up. Let me look it up. It's Tom York. Oh, it turns right, out it's sorry. Tom York. Yeah, no, no. Okay, oh, exactly. so it makes a lot Tom more sense than Tchaikovsky, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, it, it's a live album. It doesn't fit the criteria for being an EP, which is five tracks or 30 minutes. So eight tracks and 40 minutes. It is, it is an album, but it's a live album. It's a document of live performances from across the tour. And it's not one gig. No, it's, it's not. It's not one gig and it's not, it's not much of a gig either. It's just eight songs they've just plopped out of gigs. Do you guys have much experience with live albums in general? I'd usually give a live album a miss. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, the the Muse ones, because obviously... Uh, are you... Um, amused. <laughs> good. We should have used that. Yeah. Are, you, are, you, are, you, are you saying the visual portion of it? Are you saying like the DVD and the Blu-ray? No, no, I would listen. Oh, you would? Okay. Like, not anymore, right. but I would, there was a time when they would come out and I would listen to the live albums. Maybe not the later ones, but like Hullabaloo. Sure. And like The Absolution would probably harp, because I was there. So I was like, oh, I was there. Uh, also remember Green Day had bu- Green Day had Bullet in a Bible I remember listening to that a lot Oh right, okay uh, And Blink-182, the Mark Tom Travis show We all listened to that a yeah. lot And by we all, I mean yeah, me and Steve yeah. and not Adam Okay, but then, I, um, I did not, no Yeah But that's because of all the, the silly banter between songs That was Silly banter between it songs really homophobic and racist Lots of silly yeah. banter Yeah, lots of silly oh, homophobic yeah. banter Oh really? Yeah. Oh Excellent. Yeah, it's really fun. fun. It was it's really fun, fun Adam, right? It was a different Yeah, time. it's fun racism yeah, and fun, fun homophobicness. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're mostly hit and miss for me. I almost always prefer just the recorded versions of yeah. the song, yeah. I reckon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There are some, I, th- I think there are some, some live albums that absolutely like, like I, I, I reckon we've all heard live at Folsom Prison. Or at least are aware of live at Folsom Prison by Johnny Cash. I've seen it, not heard it. Who live at Leeds? It's another one. Nope. Nope. Uh, a good portion of the Bob Dylan bootleg series is great. Uh, a, a, a massive one, Nirvana Unplugged. Mm-hmm. Sure, I have that live on album. vinyl, and that is Ooh. amazingly good. What? The, the, one of my favorite albums ever is a live album, which is "Stop Making Sense" by uh, by Talking Heads. So there you go. Uh, I think some of them just transcend their sort of like medium. For the record, this one does not really transcend its medium for me. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) if they're doing something that like, yeah, if it's just a live version of a bunch of songs, you know, then meh. Um, Like Nirvana Unplugged is a Nirvana acoustic album. Mm. So really cool. And like, I don't know, Metallica S&M. Yeah. Yeah. It's them playing with an orchestra. Really good version of Master of Puppets. So it's great. Master of Puppets from Stranger Things? Don't. What? <laughs> Master of Puppets and Running Up the Hill are my favourite songs. Yeah, because of Stranger Things. Lovely. Lovely. But then, then, Lucas, this is kind of like that, right? Because these are very austere, created in the studio songs, being given birth in a live environment. I suppose the surprise of that has been somewhat ruined by the fact that you've seen them live before uh, and we did a commentary a few weeks ago. 
Yeah, and also that like most of, not all of, but most of them are still largely just a live version of the album, um, of the song, sorry. like, and, the, and that the interesting thing is that it's impressive that they can do that, that they pull it off. That's interesting in itself, but it's still just like, oh, it's the National Anthem. Right, but there... It sounds like the National Anthem, I reckon. It, but there are some big things yeah. missing from the National Anthem, and there are things added to Idiotech and stuff like that. So. I look forward to you pointing out those things to me. I mean, we've already pointed them out on the commentary. Wow, so, I look forward to you reminding So you, me. A, didn't notice, and B, forgot I told you. Yes. <laughs> and? And? And we'll forget again. Yes. <laughs> What's the next Radiohead live thing we're going to do? Uh, something around Held of the Thief, I imagine. Yeah, something like I've that. Forgotten by that. I might be wrong. Yeah. That's a shit name for a live album. It's something around Held of the Thief. <laughs> I imagine. Um... I think there's some interesting stuff contained in it and surrounding it as well. One of the one of those things is that it represents something slightly unique in terms of things that we've covered before. One is that we've never done a live album, right? In 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 this way. Yeah. Because Because it just happens that every live album we've covered has come with a live visual. Which is only Muse. Manic. The Manics were all Stage just not. DVDs. Or, and didn't have and a live one album. VHS. And Billy didn't have any live albums. She just had the love letter to Los Angeles. Yeah, thing. she's got a live EP which we didn't cover because we weren't doing those sort of like Spotify only EPs and stuff like that. We were keeping it very pared down to the the main discography. The other thing that it's very unique for this is the first one in sort of ages because there's a couple towards the beginning of the Manics, but it's the first one where absolutely everything that you hear is genuinely played live, mm. which is. Which is weird, because Mannix, everything live and leaving the 20th century, both just DVDs, but entirely live. And then all the other ones, they had backing tracks, I believe. Muse, every gig we saw, uh, and for me heard, because I heard the, I listened to the live albums as well, had backing tracks. And in one instance, a live performance dubbed with something from the studio. Billy, Billy, mostly backing tracks, including like... Billy's just a, yeah. her singing over a backing track. It's like karaoke, track, isn't it? which, is, which is great. Like, you know, I've, I saw her live recently and she was great, but it is, you know, a lot of it is not very live. Everything on this EP, and it's not an EP, it's an album, as I explained to you guys, yeah. so shut up about it. <laughs> uh, everything on this release is, is 100% live. Uh, and it's mad that we are coming up to the end of our third year of podcasting and our fourth artist and this is the first time that we're covering a live album where everything on it is actually live i guess even like hullabaloo there would have been like some yeah um does that say something about the live arena or does it say something about radiohead i just find it really interesting they just they decided and it was them not the record company right wanted to release this and specifically these songs and put them in this order I actually don't know if it was them or the uh, or the record label, yeah. to be honest. But there, there must have been some sort of creative input from someone oh, to yeah, say this yeah. song, these songs in this order for a start, because this isn't how the set list went. I imagine there is a set um, list that no, sounded like this, but um, uh, but it's, it's not what the set list. And, and and also, it's it's like well, not this isn't from one gig either. Yeah, so it's not yeah, like I mean, yeah. they had to pick shows, which it? version yeah. of the national oh, yeah. anthem they wanted on here yeah, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, Look, we've heard some of this stuff live before um, when we did our commentaries for Amnesiac and for Kid A, uh, so don't expect a huge number of hot takes. But shall we uh, kick off, by which I mean have a huge argument? No. Yes, no. 
Oh, well, you've ended up agreeing, so I guess we'll just... Let's argue. Yeah. Mm. National Anthem. We've all heard it. No, sounded nothing like National Anthem. Uh, the beginning bit did, when it had like a bit of like a, a bit of trumpet and stuff. It was not like, it was, it, it was not going... Yeah. Sounded nothing yeah. like it. No, I suppose, yeah, I suppose you're right. I suppose you're right. Was all that noise at the beginning, Johnny playing his radio? Yeah, he's so playing the radio. I wonder if they specifically chose this National Anthem from this gig... Because he tuned yeah. into some jazz, and maybe. like that's replacing the horns later on. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe they did because yeah. he would have tuned into something um, totally different at a different gig, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, and and last week we saw him tune into the television uh, because it was a, a a visual thing rather than the radio. So he's he's always changing it up depending on on what the performance is. He'll, he'll does he ever tune into the Archers? That would be so great. Uh, I, I don't think <laughs> don't think they play, they play at the right time. Oh man, that's <laughs> I suppose he could now that it's all on demand, couldn't oh, he? Yeah, I suppose. He tunes <laughs> into the BBC. Hey up there, he tunes into BBC Sounds. And then uh, just, just find yeah. some podcast. <laughs> but there's, um, yeah, so that there's an element of sort of like you, you don't know what you're going to get uh, uh, for that song at the gig. They did often open with the national anthem, and I think that is kind of why it's the first track on this. And I like that, like, the national anthem on the record is pretty stressful, um, but it has that really rock-solid bass line that is, like, sampled with the drums. And, of course, it's played live here, so it's all much more frantic and a bit it's a bit more stressful in some ways i think and it opens stressful as well because he goes everyone he really his <laughs> yeah. voice really yeah. cracks <laughs> yeah tom i was about to say tom cruise i've been listening to your other Pulse, podcast yeah too it's much. excellent i do that on the other one all the time tom york has got uh controlled cracking down to an art form mm, yeah yeah he really does yeah uh or we're being hugely generous in assuming that it's controlled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and actually he's just shit. Yeah. Well, I said this a couple of weeks ago with Will. I think Radiohead are a bit shit, and that's <laughs> what makes them so great. Um, 
Now, you said, like, okay, you couldn't really tell the differences, Lucas. There's a huge difference on this, is that there's no horns. And I'm surprised that you wouldn't be able to hear, like, the that the, the, they're missing. The bit that goes... It's just, it's just not There's still the guitar doing it, though, right? No. No, it's Tom. It's Tom's voice. He starts going... It's a shame. It really is a shame he isn't trying to emulate it perfectly. Like... Or actually going, like... Like a <laughs> yeah, tra- yeah. <laughs> he's uh, but he's also doing a lot of which is is, is something he starts doing uh, more frequently on the record from here as well. You'll hear a little bit of it on Held of the Thief. You hear a lot of it on the Eraser, and you hear a lot of it on In Rainbows as well. There's a lot of. Tom York beatboxing on In Rainbows, which is like hidden in the mix. I'm looking forward to you guys revealing that nice, to you guys. Nice. The new the new Arcade Fire album has got <laughs> by Farmer John Misty. Yeah, Father John Misty wrote a few of those songs, right? Yeah, like credited just for doing <laughs> panting <laughs> on some on a song. Yeah, so weird. Panting by Josh Tillman. So many artists uh, are like, I don't know what to do. Let's get in Father John Misty. Uh, Beyonce did it. Uh, it's fantastic. Wow. Yeah, great. Um, that version recorded... It's Farmer, it's Farmer John fa- Farmer Ya Misery. Mm. Uh, it's recorded at Vaison La Romaine in France, that that version of the National Anthem. Um, it's cool. It's very energetic. Can I tell you something about the National Anthem and then a lot of the songs on this album? Yeah. They all fuck. They're already great. Yeah, they do fuck. I need to yeah, go back to Kid A. <laughs> Yeah, I fucked yeah. Up. but but there might be uh, it might be the case that you prefer the live version. Yeah, that's true. I just had because a real they have the. Do you know? I, I gave it one one last listen before we recorded tonight when I was making the bed and tidying the bedroom, putting some clothes away, putting some washing away. Just having a legit little jam to the national anthem. It was great. Oh, they sound so good here. That's yeah. why, and like they're just really tight, but also loose in the right ways. And it is it 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 does put the human element back into Kid A and Amnesiac and those songs. Um, it's interesting. It's very interesting, especially on uh, this next one. I might be wrong. Answer my question a minute ago uh, when you said uh, they elevated the songs from Kid A and Amnesiac, which was going to be are all these songs off of Kid A or Amnesiac? Okay. Because I have uh, my memory this season with what songs are on what albums is so 
not good. Mm. Well, I've actually cracked that. I've, I, I, and, and you also, you don't remember which songs are which sometimes, right? If I just say a title, you can't remember which song that yeah, is. Yeah, which is weird, like Mannix. But I know why. I know why that is. I know why that is. And it's because, so sing a design for life to me. Libraries gave us power. Right, but also the thing that you access into the access into your memory is the bit that goes a design for life. And if I ask you to sing, if you tolerate this, your children will be next. Your brain will go, if you tolerate this, then your children See, will when you, be. You say next. that my brain didn't go to a design for life. My brain went to the intro. It went to libraries game as power. So actually, right, but that's oh. because you have created that pathway where all of the titles are in the song. Your love alone is not enough. Is in the song. Kevin Carter's in the song 500 times. Motorcycle Emptiness. It's all in the song. Do you remember our first Christmas episode when I fucking dominated the Guess the Intro game and I got like yeah. a mausoleum from like... That's not mausoleum, is it? Uh, yeah, it is. I think that's mausoleum. Yeah, go me. Yeah, yeah, go you. Well done. Um, I think I got that one. But... That's not... That's not... That's not like getting it from like some big obvious vocal bit well that's why you remember national anthem because it goes national anthem. i don't national remember national anthem if you ask if you'd asked me a fortnight ago about national anthem i wouldn't remember it i only remember it because you just did it right because he doesn't say the Truly. national anthem in the song yeah no i don't think it's that i think, I it, is. think it is but you remember everything that's right place why is that because i've known that song for years yeah, and i love it <laughs> what about how to disappear completely? Does that have the words in the song? No, don't remember it. Right, exactly. <laughs> right, <okay. laughs> Riff. Um, so, well, I, I, so, so, which one's this from? Which album is this from? I might be wrong. This is from Amnesia. Yes, and which, what's national anthem from? Kid A. Lovely. Good. See, you're fine. You're fine. You're getting there. You're getting there. Uh, riff. Yeah, riff. absolutely. Absolutely. Riff. Bass. Bass. The bit that goes... Yeah, But also, the chorus bass is much more intelligible in the live version than it is in the recorded version. Oh, I can't hear it, because all I can hear is the really unnecessarily loud tambourine throughout the entire song. It's so loud. But the bass goes... <laughs> it's it's lovely. Is it the Mario Underworld theme? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's faster. It's much less distinct than the recorded version. It's it's pretty murky, which is actually something that I really like about this whole album is that it's not strictly a soundboard recording for the whole album. It's mixed like you're standing in the crowd rather than you're standing next to the mixing desk with headphones on. This one has a lot of atmosphere on it that I think benefits the song greatly um at this point i kind of noticed it was just did this song it sounds like this goes straight from the national anthem goes into this no different gigs it sounds like it's from the same gig is it different gigs that's okay nice mixing um but it's this just, is at their south park gig in oxford oh right but it just yeah. it just um made me think they're just a lot of these songs are just big jams like that's two songs in a row they've chosen just centered around us the same thing Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that same repeating thing, and, the same and, and hypnotic it goes, thing. goes into track three as well. Um, and just the first, the first three of this big old jam is great. Let's do it.
like you say, Steve, yeah, a bit of a jam, but it feels that like it doesn't feel that way on the record, right? With you yeah. know the album that it's on, Lucas. Kid A. Yeah, you couldn't yeah. have got because that one wrong. Because this is the good ver. Because this is the good version of Morning Bell. <laughs> you, had oh, a 50, yeah. 50, you had a hundred percent chance to no, get it right. Li- yeah. Listening to this back, listening to this back, because we did Amnesiac recently, has just made me like reminded me just how much better this version of Morning Bell is yeah. than the other version of Morning Bell that was bad. Also, well, I, I like the other version, but it's, it is very telling that um, this is the one they play live. They never play the other one live. Yeah. Um, but it feels jam-like, but the recorded version is so sampled and staccato and very locked in. And this just feels so much looser, man. You know, I'm doing like a little doing... hip sway as oh, I'm okay. as I'm talking. Uh, like belly dancer. But also, in the, kind of in the opposite way to I Might Be Wrong, which we just heard, where everything sounded a bit murkier. This one sounds much more distinct. Like there are guitar parts <gasps> where on the record you're like you wouldn't be able to tell that's a guitar, whereas here you can tell that they are obviously guitar parts. Clear as a bell? Uh, clear as a morning bell, mm. indeed. Oh. Um, this one also recorded at South Park in Oxford. Um, I love all the little embellishments, or just all the little bits of stuff, which I suppose, you know, Lucas, when you listen to music, especially because we've not had that long with this one, this is not a mainstream studio album. We're not going to be giving this a score or anything. So... You know, we said, oh, we'll just do some cursory listens of this one. And I'm assuming it takes you a bit longer for the actual details of a song to get lodged in your brain. And, and you've kind of gone with vibe on this one. It will also largely depend on, like, the, the means by which I listen to it as well. Because if my few listens are quietly on my echo whilst I work, very different. Not necessarily get those you listened out of your Apple Watch, didn't you? Yeah. I listened out of my Apple Watch, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Morning Bell's great, isn't it? Um, <laughs> just, I mean, yeah, this version is better than the Amnesiac one. So I, one nil to me against myself, I guess, because on Amnesiac, I said I preferred the other one. I can one nil myself. Um, particularly just this highlighted that amazing bit in this song, like that didn't really cross my mind too much, but it's after Sleepy Jack and his fire bell. And the whole round and round and thank you and then round and round and then it comes out into a different note. I think you said it goes to a D. Oh, that bit's amazing and it's such a good moment in this live album, and I really like it. It's it's all much more uh, immediate when it's live, right? It's all kind of hidden behind stuff on the album, Um, and and then performing it live in the way that they're performing it live really like brings a lot of that stuff out. Energy, I think, can hear it. Yeah. and then those first three, they are kind of, they're pretty faithful to the record. Mm-hmm. The false start, the false stop, rather, in I Might Be Wrong is shortened. They go straight into it rather than give, rather than making you wait. But then the fourth track uh, is something, something a bit different. Yeah. 
So my my weird thought on this mm. is it's it sound it's like it's a piano cover of spinning plates. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 not like it's the same song. It's like it's a cover of their own song. Wouldn't that still be the same song? I mean, that's I mean that's why I said it's a weird take. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've had this take before where you think that a rearranging of the song means it's a different song. It's a cover of it. It's, a cover <laughs> right, of the okay. ba- it's them doing a cover of their own song. <laughs> right. Yeah, that is a weird and uh, borderline insane take. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it, is, it is drastically rearranged, though. Um, obviously, the the version on... OK Computer. Yes. Uh, is all like, <laughs> yeah. is that back masked thing, isn't it? So they've changed it from that. You can't do that live, obviously. It would be insane. Right. Um, Try harder. Very beautiful, like piano version. Oh, it's amazing. It's so good. Yeah, this is the best thing on. This is the best thing on. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, 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 this and one other thing is the reason that we're covering it, basically. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> like, uh, and then it's got the touches of bass and that really glacial synth, and it just it does. We will disagree. Like, it's the same song, but it lifts the song into something else, like entirely. Um, and obviously, a few weeks ago, it made it into Will's top ten Radiohead songs of all time. It has that huge reputation from fans. It's still how they play it live today, and they do nice. play it live today. Um, yeah, a pretty uh, pretty stunning version that um, that wouldn't exist if, if if they weren't trying to do everything live, right? You could yeah. just put, yeah, uh, put Light Spinning Plates on a backing track, and he would sing along to it normally. But they're pretty committed to working out, no, we're going to do it live, even if it sounds completely different. I'll tell you how they could do it. They play it through from front like to back normally, and then yeah. they then they switch it around. Then they just play it backwards to the audience, have a little no, it's break. Playback, it's mm. playback. Yeah, Don't but like I it. just thought this would be a would be not like, be a funny thing to say. I tell you what, no, but it's not because I take this very seriously, Steve. Mm, well, but he, but and that would actually be a backing track. I reckon. I think funny, that would be a backing track. So. <laughs> the the vocal part of this song, again, much like last time, is obviously like it's like the main talking point for me because it's just interesting on a technical level because this version he would have had to relearn it again oh yeah right to sing it forwards yes but the lyrics he was always singing the lyrics forwards but forwards forwards. he was always singing it forwards forwards Ford Fiesta. How has this not come up before? <laughs> it has. It came up in a manic season. It? Yeah. Ford. Or okay. I thought it and I didn't want to bully him. <laughs> okay. Well, we're way past that now. Back- Fords. Fords and backwards. 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 Fords. Fords. Fjords. 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 Yeah. Anyway, because previously he had he sung the words Fords, <laughs> but he's like, he had to sing in yeah. that weird backwards Backs. intonation so that when it's played for and yeah. Yeah, yeah. but when he on this he's singing it he's just having to sing he's just had to relearn it to sing it right yeah but wrong but, but this would have been the first way that he sung it so actually he already knew this because he had to sing it this way in order to reverse it and learn it backwards oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, but but even though he's singing it forwards 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 um it sounds like it does sound like the record in a way. It sounds like he's doing an impression of the yeah yeah. Well, because he kind of is. I know. He kind yeah, of is. Right. That's. I don't know if that is because that's just in our head because we know that song well now, and therefore I'm putting that on it. But I just I don't know. It, it's got. It makes it sound eerier than this song would be if he was 
if we didn't have any of that and he just sung the lyrics over piano. It's cool. His voice is his voice is incredible. It's an amazing voice. Oh, what, Tom the, York? The Tom York voice. Yeah. yeah, amazing. I was I was just walking around the house singing this. Were you going backwards it. or were you singing going... like cracky weird with all the cracks and the weirdness? Yeah, lovely. She's just like, what are you fucking doing? <laughs> what are you fucking doing? Uh, recorded at the Blossom Music Center in Cuyahoga. Uh, and then sorry, it's where? Idiotech. Totally different samples because that bass drum sounds like a bass drum and that snare sounds like a, a synth snare rather than the the white noise that was on the record. Have they completely reimagined that for live? Because the drums sound different, it, it, although the same. <laughs> I I think they are just redone by Johnny. Right. They're just because I think it's a, even a different synth, but it is the full modular synth. Okay. Pulling out wires and cool. moving them all around live and stuff. And you can hear it speeds up in the song because he's manipulating the tempo and stuff. Is that because yeah, um, be... Tom's told him to, to speed up, like you've told yeah, us Yeah, pretty much. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like sweating like faster, a Faster, Johnny, faster! faster. Trying, yeah, I'm giving it exactly. all I've got, Captain! <laughs> 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 Similar to the National Anthem, it goes from like solid on the record to absolutely like frantic here. Um, it's a mess, isn't it? It's an absolute mess. You can hear Tom dancing. Yeah, is it when everyone starts cheering? His voice. Oh, okay. There's a point where <laughs> everyone that. starts going, and I imagine he's just having a little boogie. Yeah, for sure. He does the silly dance, the famous Tom York silly dance. Um, I think this is great. Uh, like the, the stuff they've added to it is great. Uh, like. The, the the drum beat is so much more evolved with like more hi-hats and more little yeah. sort of stuff going on. And then, of course, they add in the acoustic drums uh, for the second verse. So you've got electronic drums and acoustic drums with Phil playing uh, at the same time. It's very impressive. Uh, it's cool. And it does, it does sound like it might just fall apart yeah. at any moment. Uh, and it does a lot. Yeah, uh, there's loads of videos of them just failing to play Idiotech. If you if you want to go and look them so up, what happens at that point? Do they go, oh well. Um, anyway, the they start time, again. Love it. They just start again. Total absolute mess. I mean, my main thing here is Idiotech is just a mess. Um, but again, I spelled Idiotech wrong, and Word has uh, automatically corrected it for me. So how again, did you spell it? I think well, I I think because I typed it fast, but the e and the 
tea in the... I don't know. It was a mess. It corrects mine to devotee. Mm, yes. He spelt it I-D-I-O-T-E-C-K. Oh, that's actually pretty cool. That's cool. That's actually much cooler. I'm going to spell it like that now. Lucas, your thoughts on Idiotech? For me, it's a bit like the first two where it's like, yeah, it sounds like a live version of the... Uh... One off the album, I reckon. So you didn't notice the the additional drums and all of that stuff? No, no. Wow. No. I mean, we talked about we talked about this off mic a little bit a couple of days ago before we recorded this episode. <gasps> but but yeah, I I just don't didn't necessarily pick up. You know, the fundamental bones of it are the same, and so maybe my brain's just filling in blanks. The otherwise would you know i'm just it just sounds like a live version of the or in this case removing something (laughs) or i'm not familiar enough with the with the song you know i haven't got that like intimate familiarity with the song to then kind of recognize every little difference you know i knew that i um didn't like this as much and i wasn't too hot on idiotech before but yeah it's i mean it's it's impressive and it's cool but i think it just gets to a point where it's just like (laughs) quite hard to listen to but I think if you were there, I think it would have been great. It's great in the field. This was recorded at South Park, Oxford as well. Yeah. Um, and then another one that kind of has a lot of uh, adornments, which again, I'd be surprised if you didn't notice, Lucas. Uh, more, intimate, more intimately familiar with this song. Ah, I see. Everything in its right place. That's everything that's right. I want to just skip forward a little bit. I just want to hear what it's like at the end. It's cool that they can do that live. Yeah. (laughs) You say about the songs falling apart, this one falls apart at the end and just goes a bit off the rails. The the difference is this one's a deliberate choice, I suppose. Like, (laughs) whereas Idiotech's a mistake. Yeah, I mean, it's it would got, be a mistake if that one fell apart. It's got do 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 and everything, Monkey, everything, and it's got lemons, and then most of the rest of the song is unrecognisable, isn't it? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think it's unrecognisable. It's, it's got but, a lot more shuffly rhythm in it than it does on the record. Yeah, so sure. they've, they've added drums. They turn it into a bit of a right old rave, yeah. uh, to be honest. Um, I love this version, and obviously this is what they do with it uh, live today as well. Like It just gets more and more uh, as it is, and then everything drops out and you're left with just the samples. Because what what they're doing, so on stage at this point, is they're all connected to each other, meaning that they can take samples from other members of the band and then manipulate them, resample them, loop them. So Ed Who's and- doing that? How often are they doing that? Uh, it depends on the song, and around this time, it doesn't happen very often, but as we get further into their career from this point, it happens quite a lot. So the guitar effect at the end of 15 Step is is played by Johnny, but made by Ed live. Uh, it's, it's very weird. Um, 
but Ed and Johnny basically for this are taking snippets of Tom's voice and the organ that he's playing live and they're messing about with them and resampling them. Um, as they played it live more and more, um, they realised it would be good to have some material to play with before the actual song starts. So they can start sampling immediately. Um, so Tom would play little bits of stuff before the song so they could sample that and then play around with it right from That's the start of the song. Yeah. Instead of just because they refuse to just save the samples because then that is playback. Yeah, because it's not live. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it, and it, it loses the improvisational nature of a jam, I suppose. How how do you even sample something that quickly? Like what is Chaos the mechanism? I I want to see like the the UI in which they are presented where they can go the Tom vocal channel take this 4 seconds, snip it, loop it. What's, Mate, the, it's, what's the? It's not even a computer. That's what it is. In its no, like... it's 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 actually it's just guitar pedals at this stage. They move on to computers eventually. Yeah, the guitar pedal pedals. must have some little computer in it. I don't know. I don't know what a computer is to be honest. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's a, a microchip very, it's a a computer. Question, yeah. like, I, I think <laughs> if it includes a semiconductor, it probably counts as a computer. I've got absolutely no idea what that means. But it's um, it's the chaos pad uh, is, is what Johnny's doing, and and then. Um, but but just loop pedals do what you're talking about. Yeah, but a loop pedal, a loop pedal, you know when you're starting and ending, don't you? You right. go and that's start, what, that's what play do. your riff, end. But if it's like a bit improvisational, they don't want to go, like, oh, he just did a little eh, with his vocal and I want to take that. and. No, they're just randomising when they hit stop and start, I reckon. Right. I don't think it's as yeah. planned as, as, as that. Um, right. But those little bits at the beginning, uh, in some cases it was little bits and pieces of True Love Waits, uh, like a line from it here and there. He'd play it on the organ. Uh, on this version, it's a little bit from the song Ebo the Letter by R.E.M. when he's singing Here Comes the Flood. Um, and the song that he chose to do a cover of or whether or not it's another radio song would depend on the night and how Tom was feeling. And one night... It was this, which I'm going to play because there are boys. Just, nice. just to give them some material to then fuck around with. That's yeah. so interesting. Isn't it weird to hear yeah. Radiohead playing the Manics? Yeah. Hardly. Uh, I mean, when yeah. when this podcast gets just a little bit more famous, just like a little mm. bit, we're pretty. Famous I think we'll have already. the pool where we can pull all of our the bands that we've covered in yeah. and get them to do a cover album well, the same of each other. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to watch Nicky Wyatt interacting with Matt Bellamy. That would be... <laughs> That would be really something, I think. Yeah. I don't know why. Uh, maybe they can talk about that time that Matt confused them with the stereophonics. <laughs> I just want to get, like, Muse covering a Billy song whilst Billy covers, like, you know, a song from Generation Terrorists mm. and everyone just that does a little good. covers of each other. Yeah. Interesting to hear. Well, let's see if we can sort that out. Let's see if we can let's sort that out. Let's get it done. I reckon yeah. we're in a position where we can get it done. <laughs> yeah. Something I love about everything that's right place on this is that they leave in them... Almost completely fucking the intro. 
when he's going like one two three and now what one two three and then Phil comes in at the wrong time or whatever. It's nice. They obviously um they feel confident enough putting that stuff out there, or they were so enamoured with the vibe of the rest of the song that they decided, oh, we'll just let it we'll let it fly. Um speaking of vibe. <laughs> and cents is a whole vibe this is the one that i feel is closest to the recorded version right yeah i would say so but again energy and it and it just it yeah. lifts the song that much more hearing it live um of course it's lacking the strings but they seem to have replaced it with a kind of synth part instead synthy thing yeah. yeah i mean on this on the, on the record Aren't the strings like mixed with a synthy sound as well? It's 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 hard to tell what's going on on a lot of Radiohead records, but um, <laughs> but they do follow the vocal line. Um, yes, so that there's kind of that aspect to it. That, that those are two things that are mixing together. Um, on the record, it's a big old jam, and this just kind of enhances the jam sort of nature of it. Really, yeah. They, that I, that's my main takeaway from this um, this live album is that it's it's just them having a bit of a Rock out. Oh, I feel sick. Oh, God. I'm going to be sick. <laughs> Guys, They're really rocking go, out. Do you want to go rock out? Yeah. <laughs> Let's go have a quick rock out. Well, with um, your. Uh... No, 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 no. Come on now. Okay. It's a family podcast. It's, it's absolutely family, not. It's, it's absolutely podcast. not a fa- Yeah. People do listen with their kids, which is remarkable to me. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Weird choice, guys. Weird choice. Um, that's another one from South Park in Oxford. I didn't have loads to say about it, really, because it's kind of just the same as the one on the record, whereas other ones have all these little uh, embellishments and stuff. I'm glad, at least in this case, you're not going to tell me why I'm wrong, because I have one note against this one, and it just says, it's a live version of Dollars and Cents. It is certainly a live version of Dollars and Cents. I'll get, on, on that, we can agree. You're not wrong, uh, Lucas, but I might be wrong. Here you go. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Is that yeah. all right? I mean, he, had right. To do, he had to do his own setup. Yeah. He had yeah. to do the bit where he went, You're not wrong, yeah, but. Because then, then it changed bit. the infliction of. Yeah. I had to do the I. Oh, yeah. I had to yeah. put the I in italics. Yeah. I think Adam can do a better one, but, you know, let's see. <laughs>
Gorgeous. It's it's uh, particularly beautiful. Um, it's hard to separate it from the version that Lucas and I know. Yeah, it's beautiful, but I'm just like, could be a lot more beautiful. Though, is this it? closer yeah, now? It could... It's a lot closer. It's closer, further away. This is this is so much further away than than any of the versions we've heard so far. Okay, Steve, listen to Adam. He probably is <laughs> right. <He's... laughs> I tell you what, I, 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 as my, like, like the lyrics of this are obviously like well, the lyrics, but like the vocals is the thing that makes it beautiful. Yeah, and that's obviously still fairly like the one that I know. They're exactly the same, and and, and, and the rest of the song is completely different. Yeah, and the acoustic guitar, not a fan. It's quite harsh, isn't it, on, yeah, on this recording? Bit, yeah. And I think it's it's the way it's treated. Like, um, I find the vo- vocals to be quite harsh as well. I think he's got a beautiful voice, but there's no reverb at all. There's n- nothing on on either of the instruments, the, vo- the voice or the or the guitar. Um, so it's quite a, a a naked kind of production on it. It's just Tom and the guitar, um, but it does mark the first official release of True Love Waits. Um, I started tearing up listening to it just then because I find it to be a very very sad song and it's a very very sweet song. And they obviously tried loads of versions of it, and we've been tracking it up to this point. Um, I actually think in content it wouldn't have fit on any of the albums that we've heard so far. It's kind of too um it's too sweet to be on like the bends and it's not like cynical enough to be on OK Computer and Kid A and Amnesiac. That, that those are all like very cynical sort of records I think. Um it's a very lovelorn song. It's somebody giving up their core ideals and giving up who they are just to be with somebody. I I will drown my beliefs to have your babies. Uh, and it includes some very weird stuff. He'll wash their feet and he'll dress like their niece. Uh, mm. Which is a very, a very that interesting... Is, I mean, that way. is how a lot of people like to show their love. Yeah, you dress like that person's niece. Yeah. Um, without the person that he's addressing, he's not even living anymore. And then there's these repeated pleads to, like... Just don't leave um, me high. Don't leave me Oh, okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the repeated, just don't leave. Just don't leave. Don't leave. Very sad. I find it very, very affecting. And, and the, just the idea of true love waiting, um, it being something that you have to wait for. And uh, there's a li- the lyric in it is, uh, true love waits in haunted attics. And true love lives on lollipops and crisps. Like, Aww. there's something dark about true love, and there's something really yeah. 
um, sweet, joyous yeah. and sweet, yeah, about about true love. Um, what, what did you guys think? I mean, Lucas, you're really familiar with a different version of it, I suppose. And I love that version. It's yeah. a lovely, lovely song, and it makes me sad. Not sad. It makes me. It, it's just, it's a, it's one of the songs that get, makes you give make, gives me feelings, which is you know rare. Um, yeah, and so I am. It was it's weird actually. When I remember when. It's on Moonshape Pool, right? Yes. It is. It's the last track of Moonshape Pool. Yeah. It's the last ever recorded Radiohead song that we're ever going to hear. This is how their discography ends. Uh, I mean, that is a nice... If they've been doing it throughout their... You know, they've been working on it and then they finally release it on an album. There is something quite nice about that, isn't there? It's great, yeah. But yeah, I was... I remember when Moonshape Pool came out reading a review of it. Don't know where. Sure. Who knows? Who cares? And I remember it saying like... And ending with like a haunting version of True Love Waits. I remember reading it as if like the way they referred to the song, mm. like you knew it already. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. Not like it ends with an amazing song called True Love Waits and it's really nice and you're going to love it. It's it was a like, haunting version of oh, And True I was Love like, Waits. am I supposed to know this song? <laughs> and I was a bit like, why are they phrasing it like that? Are they yeah. just phrasing? It's because it's a song that obviously people who knew Radiohead have been like tracking yeah for like 20 years before yeah before that album comes out yeah whereas steve you don't have that so how did this version you've had clips of other stuff but how did this first official version land with you well this is the first version i kind of listened to properly on my own really um i think there's 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 personal context which i got from the lyrics that i i actually don't want to talk about on the podcast but like it really affected me quite a bit um yeah, there's a there's a there's a couple of different meanings which I imprinted on in this song that uh yeah, brought up some stuff. Um I may talk about that on the moonshape. But do, do the lyrics sort of stay the same? Yeah, that I think they're exactly the same. The same. Yeah, yeah. I think it's exactly the same. Good song. Sad song. Oh fuck. Well, everyone's got a return for the moonshape pool now so that we can dredge up the dark thoughts of Steve Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's going to be hanging around you know about for a complete mental you know breakdown. Basements. No, I don't remember the bit about basements. There's nothing about basements in the song, it, Steve. What, what was a bit about? <laughs> There's nothing about basements, Steve. What are you love talking about? In haunted attics. attics. Oh, well, it's the opposite, isn't it? Other end of the house. Other end of the side of the house. To be fair, Steve lives in an upside-down house. Mm-hmm. That's right. So his attic is in the basement. Yeah. And his washing machine is in the attic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. Yeah. And his washing machine dries clothes. Mm. It's weird, <laughs> which is the upside down version of washing. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's it is kind of weird that it's here. It feels like it's here as uh, like like it's an acknowledgement that it's a fan favorite, uh, that it was a part of this era of them playing live, uh, and that they genuinely don't know what to do with it. Like they've got this song, and they have no idea. Every arrangement of it they've tried has failed. So they're just like, okay, here it is. Yeah. The fans want it. That that This is the song as it is at the moment. And it, it feels a little bit like, it feels artistically like an admission of them going, we don't know what to do with this. And commercially, it feels a bit like, please buy our record. Well, I was going right. to say that. I was yeah. going to say the cynical way of looking at it is put something... I- as yet unreleased on this yeah and people will go oh we got to, we've got to buy it now it's like it's like when you do a best of or a greatest hits and you stick a new song on got it new for the sake of like, yeah, yeah yeah one of our yeah. greatest hits ha- just happens to be the single we released most recently to promote mm-hmm. yeah. our greatest oh, yeah. hits yeah yeah <laughs> it's one of our greatest, greatest hits <laughs> so rarely are they one of their greatest hits yep. as well. i know yeah. i know 
Um, so yeah, I'm torn on which which version, which, which way round it goes because it's Radiohead and because they have form. I like to think it's the former, and they've never done the latter. So it might just be one example of them doing that, or it might be a radio, uh, a, a record label thing. Who knows? Um, but hey, that's the album. It's it's an interesting little document of this time of their live show, I think, and it it obviously has those two standouts, which is light spinning plates and and true love waits. Um, oh, they rhyme. There's something there. But also, a lot of people wouldn't be able to get out and go and see Radiohead live. Their their reduced touring schedule and them insisting on playing venues that were too small for how big they were meant that they sold out incredibly quickly. And maybe they weren't coming to your town. Maybe they weren't coming to your country. So this album would have been the closest that quite a few people would have come to seeing the band live at this point. You didn't have pro-shot YouTube videos of every gig from the tour like you do with bands at the moment. You know, this would have been the only way for them to see it. Um, And bootlegs, I suppose. Mm. In general, from this point onwards, it is pretty difficult to see Radiohead live. One, because they've broken up, but also towards the end of their career, like... (laughs) If you've seen them, you're pretty lucky. I'm I'm incredibly lucky to have seen them as many times as I have. And it is sheer luck. A number of the Radiohead gigs that I've been to, I failed to get tickets, but a friend got through and stuff like that. Um, also, I wish I'd like... I, like, I've seen them live and it was yeah. amazing and I loved it, but I almost wish I'd appreciated it a bit more, you know? like You'll miss them now they're gone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. Also, somewhat similarly, a good portion of our listeners just check in for these episodes and don't listen to the commentaries or stuff like that. So now they've got to hear the live stuff too, as we follow Radiohead's decision to present it in this format, which I think is nice. Um, After this release in November 2001, everything goes a bit quiet, really. Tom returns home to his partner and his son. Uh, Phil goes back to manning the phones at Samaritans, which is something that he'd been doing since he was at university. If you called Samaritans around this point, there was a slight chance you'd be talking to the drummer of Radiohead. Um, Ed moved to London, making him the first to move out of Oxford full-time. Colin took up baking. And Johnny started work on his first soundtrack for the experimental film Body Song. And all of those things sort of happened while Radiohead took a six-month break uh and we're going to take a one week break but before we do guys all of that that we just talked about and heard and discussed was that was that music it's live, live music. music and is that music hmm. it's a different type of music but it's got music in the it's a type of music yeah it's so a genre of music. Yeah, yeah. it's a Let genre me, hang on yeah i'm just typing down that this one is also it's a genre like what genre of music do you like and i say oh i live. like live music this, this one's all also music along awesome. with the other ones. All right. Before we go, can I read an email? Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is from. I I'm gonna mispronounce this. And I'm really sorry, Chris. But Chris Burge, or it might be Chris Bergie. So it's Christaberg. It's Christaberg. This is an email from Christaberg. <laughs> uh, and this this first sentence of this email is very interesting in terms of social media stuff. Hi. I recently found you on TikTok hey. and have been listening to your Radiohead season this weekend. First, your efforts are phenomenal. Thank you very much. Uh, I've been loving the deep, deep dives that you've taken and appreciate your well-informed opinions. He thinks that we have well-informed opinions. I think he's referring to you, Adam. <laughs> 
or he's not heard us. I'm on the Pablo Honey Part 2 episode and just heard Pop is Dead. I haven't thought about that song in a long time. So it was sort of like hearing it again for the first time. And what I heard was a Queen song. I heard Tom sort of sounding like Freddie Mercury. Is this Radiohead's bicycle race? With that framing, I really liked the song, but I also seem to like Pablo Honey a bit more than you guys. If all songs and albums have some value, aren't there then far too many crap albums of this time period to elevate the status of Pablo Honey above a three or even above a five? Thanks for this awesome dive into one of my favourite bands, probably my favourite. I'm really looking forward to all the episodes that lie ahead. Take care. Chris DeBerg. Um interesting bicycle race by queen i don't know it what is is it i like to yes. ride my, my bicycle, bicycle. Like okay my yeah no i don't like that bicycle song races so are coming your way so look out what? for those the... fat bottom girls i don't know something like that is it like is it like pop is dead i think the maybe the reaction uh fans had to it i don't think it sounds like bicycle race Oh right, yeah. okay, fair enough. Didn't I give and Lucas, do Pablo you, Honey a six? Just you did give Pablo Honey a six, yeah, you did, so, yeah, yeah. Answer your question. And, yep. and Lucas, what do you think? Do, do you think it deserves above a three? What did I give it again? Three. A three. I reckon it deserves a three. Then excellent. Okay. And that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you very much for listening. Our next episode is out next Monday, and we'll be exploring Radiohead's sixth album, "Hail to the Thief." You really need to put your teeth in for that one. Uh, so come and join us for that. But before you do, come and let us know what you think of I Might Be Wrong, what you think about live albums in general, what you think about that version of True Love Waits, of anything that we've talked about in this episode. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at What Is Music Pod, on TikTok, like Chris did, at What Is Music. And if you'd like to send in something a little bit longer, maybe have us read it out on the show again, like Chris did, you can email us, whatismusicpod at gmail.com. We also have a couple of ways that you can support us other than listening if you would like to. Uh, one is to buy our merchandise. If you go to whatismusicpod.redbubble.com, you'll find some stupid designs and one John Major one. If you don't fancy the merchandise, you could uh, just chuck us a few quid on coffee.com, which is ko-fi.com slash whatismusic. All donations are really gratefully received and go towards our running costs. That about does it. Thank you again for listening. But before you go, please don't leave. Don't leave.